please be seated. Sharon Kugler is the seventh university chaplain at Yale University. And in a recent article, she described a day in her working life. And she began by describing her meeting with uh, her chaplain colleagues. And so it's a meeting of uh, Catholic, Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, Jewish, and Protestant chaplains. And they meet once a month for what she calls addressing vexing problems, talking about the school, talking about the common work. It's not an administrative meeting, in other words. And then from there, they went into another meeting with a group from uh, Yale NUS, the liberal arts college founded in Singapore in collaboration with Yale. And I was a little surprised by this because what she said was they had no tradition within that school of dealing with difference, even though the place is uh, the living manifestation of people dealing with difference in many ways. And they had to find a language for their conversation because there's no chaplain's office as such in Singapore. And Ms. Kugler was trying to help them understand her interfaith work by saying that a person can be rooted in a particular tradition without drowning in it. And her goal was to create channels for deeper knowledge, understanding, and respect wherever possible true appreciation. And then she described how at the end of the day, uh, they had a, a program, a new event called Feasting on Faith in February. It sounds dreadful. But anyway, the, the, uh, <laughs> but the event was meant to be a low-key way of helping those in attendance explore traditions other than their own without the hurdles of worrying about asking the wrong question, giving offense unintentionally, feeling disloyal in some way to one's own tradition, one's own commitments. In a way, her day was filled with the necessity of coming to terms with religious pluralism, in fact with societal pluralism, without devaluing deep commitment to live out faith within a particular tradition. Now the source and model for Christian pluralism, recognizing that there are many varieties of Christian, was found in the Easter story. And early Calvinists in particular looked to the resurrection appearances, Mary being called by name, Peter being interrogated about his faith, do you love me, Peter, do you love me? Thomas needing to see Jesus' wounds, the disciples on the road to Emmaus recognizing the Messiah and the breaking of bread, and on and on and on. And they, these Calvinists recognized that the Christians respond to the gospel in a variety of ways. Intimate experience of knowing and being known, intellectual rigor, skepticism as another way of hearing the call and claim of Jesus on our lives, and of course, Eucharistic observance. Essentially, they recognized that as Christians responded to the gospel in a variety of ways, so expressions of Christian faith developed a variety of denominations, essentially. Now, we don't enjoy a terribly robust or developed doctrine of the Holy Spirit these days, but it is the story of Pentecost in which we can find models for addressing difference, dealing with other faiths, and indeed all of the experience of difference and otherness and strangeness that we have in an increasingly pluralistic world. The Pentecost story from Acts 2 that we hear again today is a story, among other things, of widely diverse peoples being drawn into a larger community of grace. There are scholars today who believe that the multiplicity of nations represented in Jerusalem at Pentecost were not so much pilgrims as immigrants, Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. They would all have spoken or likely understood Greek, but would also have kept their own native language, tribal language, just as our friends in Tanzania all speak Swahili, but at home they speak their own tribal language, often Kiha. The power of Pentecost, then, is not the reversal of Babel, as is often said. 
the reversal of the Tower of Babel would create a common language for all of us. Now, the power of Pentecost is different. It's the story of salvation being told and appropriated and understood in many languages and many contexts. See, attempts to create a single expression of Christian faith have not only failed consistently, but also been the source of much violence over the centuries. Because unlike both Judaism and Islam, Christianity has never been restricted to one language or one geography. So where Muslims have Medina and Mecca and and Arabic, and Jews have Jerusalem and Hebrew, in spite of our attempts to make Rome or Constantinople a place and Latin or Greek a language, the fact is it hasn't worked. And what's happened is Christianity, the Christian story, the gospel, has been enculturated throughout the world in any number of languages and cultures amongst any number of peoples. The Calvinists recognize Christian pluralism fully consistent with what happened at Easter. And we can recognize a source for interfaith pluralism in the story of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is not some ill-defined religious force that kind of floats around, sometimes landing on us. It's nothing less than the power of God revealed in Jesus, the incarnate word. It is, if you like, one expression of the continuing presence of God in the world. Whatever the Spirit does will be consistent with the stories we already know. See, that Spirit is the same Spirit that moved over the face of the water in the beginning of creation. It's the same Spirit that is part of the continuing renewal of creation in us. It's the same Spirit that raised Lazarus from the dead. It's the same Spirit that led Paul and Silas to disrupt the economic norms of Philippi in the story we heard last week. So the power of the Spirit in our lives and in our time, is surely, whatever else it's about, it's about navigating and recognizing, understanding, and even appreciating difference of all kind, just as Sharon Kugler was doing during her day at Yale. Not only religious difference, in fact, it is our story, our experience, our community of the saving grace of God that keeps us rooted in a way that allows us to engage difference wherever we find it. We've heard a lot in this election cycle about angry white men, angry white men who, who resist the increasing plurality of the world in which we live and would prefer to conserve the old ways in which their tribe was dominant and defined reality for everyone. And certainly that's part of the political debate and maneuvering in a free country as our political parties seek to benefit from or contain the consequences of demographic shifts, immigration, refugees, and so on. But for people of faith, there is no option of sticking our heads in the sand and hoping that the old ways will maintain. There's no option of trying to keep things the way they have always been for us because we know the story of the Holy Spirit. We know that it is the Spirit that disturbs the waters in the eternal renewing of creation and the same Spirit that disrupts the ways in which we structure our societies continually making room for everyone to hear the gospel on a trajectory towards peace that passes understanding, which is the presence of God and is always marked by justice. It's the same spirit that leads us into relation of our neighbors, even those who are very different from us. It's the same spirit, in just one example, that leads us to recognize, if you've ever been in hospital, notice just how many of your doctors and caregivers and nurses are first or second generation immigrants, and without them, we would have a much less well-staffed healthcare system than we do today. For people of faith, 
It is the Holy Spirit who allows us not only to seek understanding, but friendship with those who differ from us, leading us away from prejudice and control and into something much more graceful for everyone. But we can't leave things there, just accepting that we live in an increasingly pluralistic world and knowing that we can navigate it best from a particular faith tradition rather than some syncretistic mishmash of religion or none. But we must also recognize on a day when we're celebrating uh, with young men and young women on their journey to adulthood and on which we're welcoming an adult and some children into the Christian community through baptism today and tonight when we gather uh, incorporating young adults into the larger and wider church, we're still doing something specific that is the power of life for us and still recognizing that we live in a hungry and hurting and broken world. And there are many, many people who do not enjoy what we enjoy and do not enjoy, in fact, what they could find in any other variety of Christianity or indeed any other faith. There are so many options. They become almost unable to make a commitment. And that means that not only must we understand our own commitment and the ways in which God's hand is at work in our own lives and get better at articulating it, So we've also got to invite the lost into joining us, if they wish, joining us in this particular way and practice of living out faith. They may not like our liturgy, our music, our relative formality, but what they're resisting, in effect, is commitment to living a specific incarnate way of being faithful. And that leaves them, I believe, with much less rich lives than they could otherwise have. And I believe without such a commitment, a sense of knowing who they are and to whom they belong, without a sense of knowing for whom they will care in the crunch times and who will care for them, they will not know the deep grace that we know in this community. And others can know in communities that look and sound and feel quite different than this one. And what this means is that even as we seek to understand others in a world of difference, so we must consistently and clearly keep inviting others to join us in our way as followers of Jesus and share in the way of grace and life that we know and enjoy and celebrate in this particular and rooted community of faith. I invite you to remember that in the days to come and maybe extend an invitation to someone you know to share life with us. That is the power of the Spirit at work in the world. Let us respond to the gospel with baptism. I offer this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.